Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Hi. We are starting off the new episode of Gentlemen, Bringing Back the Gentle and Men, a show dedicated for men, by men, to address different kind of topics that needs to be addressed, and um, hopefully we're going to talk about different topics based on everybody's opinion, and this is going to be like a casual talk where everyone could state their own opinions. Um, this is a safe zone where we could feel free to talk about whatever we want based on what we want. And no further ado, I would like to introduce my guest for the night. Um, there's no better way than you guys introducing yourself. So start with uh, Walid. Uh, hi, guys. My name is Walid Hashem. I come from a legal background. I was a lawyer and a legal advisor for a while. And then uh, I moved to a field I started studying as soon as I graduated with my law degree, which is the field of spirituality and energy teachings. I started uh, uh, taking one-on-one -on -one clients and then doing lectures. And then I ran with it for a while. And uh, I ended up leaving law. And I'm a full-time spiritual teacher and energy master. My personal training is in the Reiki Genkido School of Energy. And uh, it's something I enjoy and love doing. Glad to have you with us. Thank you, Hamid. Uh, we have Fahad. Hi, guys. My name is Fahad Sarwani. I'm uh, a banker by profession, uh, but I've always had uh, a passion for self-development, nice. personal growth, um, which led me to become a certified ICF uh, coach. Um, and in parallel with this uh, was my pursuit for a spiritual uh, awakening. And so similar to kind of... Uh, Lead. Uh, I've been a student and still am a student of religion and spirituality and um, yes, uh, self-transcendence basically. So it's good to be here with you guys. Nice, nice. Good to have you, my friend. And we have Bassam. Salam. Uh, my name is Bassam Al Alawi. I was a finance and investment management uh, prisoner by force <laughs> and chose. <laughs> Uh, to become a restaurateur and perfumer by choice. So that's, that's who I am. Is out the poet side of you? I do write sometimes. <laughs> when when <laughs> Wahi ends. Well, and um, for me, I work a couple of hats. I worked in banking, telecommunication, and PR, marketing. Um, I was a former uh, police officer, and right now I'm a full-time health coach. It's, this is my second year going to the third. Um, why did I start this? It's due to my self-journey and self-discovery that led me to understand so much about me as a male and how society kind of labels us males and projects a lot of us, which puts a lot of pressure on us, you know, and we, I don't believe that um, we were supposed to carry that burden. And once I chose to be my true self and stand up for me, open up, understand who I truly am, and start projecting that to the world, I felt free. I was able to be my true self. I found my identity. 
And with it, I realized, you know what? I'm not the only one, only one, you know? And with this, I feel like it's an obligation for us as men to be able to speak up and show the world that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to have feelings and it's okay to be, take pride, take pride in your, in your thoughts, in your emotions, into being who you truly are. Yeah. And this is where we're trying to reflect within this talk and um, we're not better than anyone. We're not trying to set an example, but we are encouraging and welcoming men to be their true self. So with this being said, we know that there's a lot that's going on in the world. We've seen a lot of stuff that's been um, happening, and especially since today is ment World Mental Health Day, and um, I chose to launch this today in recognition that even men suffer too, mm -hmm. and they don't need to suffer in silence because they're men. So I would like to hear your opinions regarding this matter. Um, so the floor is yours, guys. Well, uh, Bassam, Fahed, and I were having a very interesting conversation just before we started filming. Bassam had asked uh, Fahed and I, uh, what, uh, what's, the, the, what's uh, the single issue that you get uh, asked the most or asked to work with people on the most that comes to you in your fields of work? Fahad, made, Fahad brought up the single most important one, I think. I'll leave it to him to discuss it. But I'd like to uh, start speaking about my own. So uh, my answer to Bassam was the single most, uh, the one that came to mind at least is authenticity. Yeah. So a lot of these uh, uh, young boys uh, from a very early age are asked to look outside of themselves for achievements. Uh, they are always taught to look outwardly and to attempt to achieve something and if you if you if it's, it's a very interesting thing thank you the, what what um what girls uh, are taught at an early age and your value comes from your beauty and from the men in your life so if you have a partner or sons whatever boys on the other hand are taught that your value comes from from your physicality, so if you're you know if you're if you're a fit young man, and from the amount of money you can wield your net worth, right. both are very outwardly focused. The reason I think why a lot of uh, men uh, don't uh, attempt to work on their inner selves and uh, mental health is because they're usually. To, to work on any issue, you need to admit that you have it. Mm. You need to admit that, you, that there's something that needs to be worked on. For you to admit that there's something that needs to be improved within you, you need to be vulnerable. For you to be vulnerable, you need to be inward looking. You need to be open. And self-aware. And very self-aware. Uh, so the fact that, I'll give you an example. I have a, a friend of mine just about to say his name, my God. And of mine, a friend of mine, he cut So a friend of mine actually has everything you need uh, 
society tells you you'd need to right. be happy and content. He has the house on the beach. He has the big house with several levels. He has the wife. He has the kids. He has the position. He has the wealth. He has, he has, he has. I've never seen him smile, ever. He, he never greeted me smiling. He always tells me how much tension he goes through every day, how much stress, which is another word, glorified word for fear. Yes. How much pressure he goes he, he feels he's under. And he, he keeps telling me he never even enjoys the house. He never really enjoys the beach he has. And the reason is for you to be authentic. The, re the reason is for you to enjoy. The reason is for you to be happy. You need to be very much in touch with your inward, authentic self, which comes from being vulnerable and comes from tapping into the feminine aspect within every man, the feminine aspect within you, which is feminine energy is an energy system within your body that helps you connect to your emotions, your desires, and your passions in life. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's like it reminds me, um, I posted a post today that says, the more you're whole, mm -hmm. the less you look to fill the void holes. Yeah. You know, and that is what we try to do. And this explains it exactly. No matter, because you don't understand yourself, you don't know your values, you don't know what kind of... Um, what, what kind of helps you reflect inwardly, um, it makes you look outwardly, like you look for things that would uh, fill these voids. And this is exactly like, in a, like that's a pure example because maybe they were conditioned as kids that they kind of, um, the reward system is based on buying, getting yeah. stuff. So that, that kind of um, gets to this point where, you know what, if he got a chance to understand himself better, maybe he would start appreciating himself and what he comes with, which is the house, the family, and he starts understanding the blessings and be more grateful for what he has. For sure. Nice. That's really nice. I think one thing that Fahad mentioned as well, which I'd like to hear more about, which is in relation to our conversation me and Walid had, was in relation to one of the core issues of the authentic self problem. Yeah. So can you tell us, like, I want to hear more about this. Sure. So the, the short answer is our relationship with God, but I'll give you an example of how I kind of demonstrate this, um, you know, to my students and even my kids, like uh, my 10 year old understands this stuff. Alhamdulillah. So nice. I want you guys to imagine um, a circle where you, you know, the person is in the center of the circle, right? And around him, are different compartments of different colors, right? So you have orange, red, right. blue, green, and each of these different colors represent a different category of your life. One could be your health, the other could be your relationships, the right. third could be career, money, whatever, right? Yeah? So this is a person who maybe none of the compartments has God in it, right? Yeah. So, so that's someone who doesn't seem to need God in his life. Um, so that's clearly one segment of society who I've seen are struggling with you know, mental health issues and uh, just living a life of contentment, right? There's something always that's missing, right? But what's interesting is that even if in this same model where the human being is in the center of their life and one of the compartments is for God, right? It still doesn't, the formula still doesn't work, right? So... This would be the classic example of someone who 
has time for God, like, you know, so they're praying, they're praying, doing their salah, they're exactly. doing their siyam, they're, they're doing their umrah and yeah. hajj and everything, but that's, it's still a compartment of their life. And um, the rest of the compartments are still managed by this person themselves. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've um, you know, come across situations where ultra-religious people, uh, when I say religious, I mean outwardly religious people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and specifically, I'll, I'll be very personally, I'll share with you a you know, really personal story, but um, three of my cousins back in Pakistan who come from families who are super religious, right? right? Uh, it's the, the whole nine yards, right? Like the, the short thobe and the, and the long beard and Ultra everything. Ultra-Orthodox yeah, look. And, yeah, and, and the, the Quran half of, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Inshallah with understanding. So, so three of them, Subhanallah. I mean, not all the three of them were hafid, but one of them specifically, the first one, uh, ended up committing suicide because uh, he was in love with the neighbor's daughter. Right. And when the, the father found out, I mean, you know, just out of fear, mm. their reaction was, oh my God, our parents are going to kill us. Yeah. So we might as well escape to a hotel room in a different city and take uh, poison pills. And literally, when the, the parent and his cousin arrived at the hotel room, they, they had taken the pill and it was too late. They literally died in the car, both of them, on the way back home. Because they couldn't even go to the hospital out of shame. That's very Shakespearean. Um, yeah, a true story, right? So this is the first incidence. Second incident, same family. Another cousin commits suicide. Why? Financial problems, mm. financial burden. Mm. Lack of uh, paternal support, right? His father was earning money outside of the country, so right. felt felt neglected, felt... And then the third, also, first. these are three first cousins, guys. Third cousin uh, also commits suicide. We don't know why. It's still a mystery. Um, so what I'm trying to say is that external religion also is not enough, right? So just a the compartment there yeah. doesn't seem to work. So many examples we have of extremism and, yeah. and you know, terrorists and that kind of stuff, which is, of course, completely non-Islamic, right? Mm-hmm. But then what would the ideal framework be? Is when Allah becomes the center of your life. So your, your world revolves around Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah... God being the center of your life and everything you do becomes a form of the Arabic word for that is ibadah, right? Which, you know, some translate to mean worship, but uh, worship is usually a means to a higher goal and the higher goal of our creation or the ultimate purpose of our creation is, uh, according to my opinion and, and whatever I've been taught by my teachers is knowledge of God, which is ma'rifatullah. And so, you know, we spent so many years going to, through school, college. Uh, we spent so much money. You guys have kids? I don't know. No? So, no, I do not. So you no, still yeah, don't know how expensive education is, right? <laughs> but uh, we spent so much money on our kids for knowledge, right? They study math, physics, chemistry, biology. But, and these are all noble knowledges, right? We're not yeah. neglecting them. But what you're saying is, what about the knowledge of my creator? What about the knowledge of Quran, the knowledge of the prophets? Mm-hmm. You know, where is that in our lives? And so I see the pattern repeating over and over and over again, where people, whatever the issue is, it boils down to that missing link, that missing connection with, with God. 
uh, and we were talking about the fact that when you do have, and we're not saying you need to have an ultra strong relationship from day one. No, this is a journey, right? But yeah. what we're saying is at least hold on to the rope. Yeah. Right? At least you have an anchor. You have something to hold on to. You realize that you're not alone. Yeah. Right? And, that, and the more you hold on to it, the, the more you grow in this relationship. So, um, you know, I personally went through that. And it was late in my life. I never grew up in yeah. a religious family. Yeah. I mean, you know, I had my transformation uh, in my third year of college when I was in New York. Uh, you know, 9-11 happened and I was completely lost and had no sense of identity. And then that sparked this interest to discover uh, the purpose of life. And, you know, um, so yeah, I would say um, when our spirituality, our relationship with God, and, and when I say spirituality, because a lot of people think that, you know, it's either you have external religion or inner spirituality, right? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people actually leave external religion saying, you know what, inner spirituality is enough, right? But I believe that we need to strike a balance here, right? Yeah. So both are important. Right? I would love to touch on this. Um, it's people think like religion is, as you mentioned, you know, just as a practice, but they forget the inner connection. That's why when I say like um, sometimes when you, someone, you see someone praying, you see them performing, performing some sort of a ritual, but you don't know what's going in and you're going inside of them. You know, prayer and the connection you have with God is strictly spiritual. And each and every one of us have the, a different kind of relationship with God. And I could relate so much to what you said right now um, because I, I kind of got into um, that spiritual connection based on a spiritual journey that I went through when I lost my identity. I was so lost. I went to this um, whole self-discovery, and that's when I stumbled on faith. And I have a beautiful relationship. Like To, to me, it's I reflected at self-love because I truly understand that my relationship with God is completely based on how I perceive it and I feel as you mentioned um, safe I feel more content I feel more grounded and that's when you mention like you have God within within um, the center I feel like when I kind of do my practice because I work with every kind of people like every people from all walks of the world so I consider that as self. When you kind of do, do the circle and you have all these areas where it comes to nutrition, creativity, environment, um, relationships, you name it, everything that makes or like what, what makes up your whole life and what makes you you, I put a circle in the, in the middle and be like yourself. And don't forget, God blew into your vessel yeah. And he's a part of you. And that's yeah. what I mean by self. You could frame it as whatever you want mm -hmm. because everyone has their own belief. Mm -hmm. Yet, when the, the more you're inter, interconnected with yeah. yourself, that's when your spirituality is at its best. It's beautiful. I think it's interesting that both of you gentlemen mentioned uh, fear in one form or another. Uh, you mentioned vulnerability as an expression of actual fear, Walid, right? And Fahad mentioned that uh, the uh, individual who took his own life, your family member, 
Sorry, I, I mentioned um, stress as an expression. Stress, sorry, stress. And uh, Fahad mentioned his cousin as well. Unable to express himself somehow out of a sense of fear of censure from the community, especially perhaps ultra-Orthodox Islamic community, which is a problem, I think, uh, here and worldwide. Uh, born out of what I perceive to be a lack of knowledge 100%, right? And understanding. And ignorance. 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 Uh, not just that, the materialist view of, wor of the world. So you mentioned, Waleed, that this individual had everything you could possibly want materially. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the way I connect with that is, uh, to me, it never made sense. I was told to do things based on that perspective. Yeah. I needed to, to study a particular thing so I can make money, mm -hmm. so I could buy the house in Durra, mm -hmm. which I didn't want, yeah. okay? Because uh, uh, I don't like the beach. Plus, Bahrain doesn't have yeah. that <laughs> great of a beach. Uh, yeah. So, all, and I would ask, I would constantly ask why. Like, why, why am I wanting this exactly? And I found what you said very interesting, Fed, because I experienced the same thing you did when I went and lived in California, and everybody knows California is the place to be. Music's written about California. You go on Route 66, you have a burger, whatever. Um, and I saw the, uh, the ultra-materialistic side of the world. So what if I lived without God, right? And saw that reality, I was like, this ain't for me. These people are unhappy. I said, I'll try it for a couple of months. Didn't fulfill me whatsoever. So I relate to you from that perspective. And you feel completely destroyed. You reach a state of internal annihilation. Yes. Like I did not know who I was whatsoever. And no family member can tell me who I was because half the time they didn't know who they were because they've been told too. Um, and so, and then when you start searching, that's a problem too because you genuinely have to use your rational intellect because you come across so much misinformation. Yeah. And I relate to what you were saying because I also embrace my Islamic identity. I come from the Islamic tradition and I derive a lot of my values and mental health, I suppose, uh, pointers from our tradition, whether it be Sira, prophetic stories, or stories of the Sahaba. I relate to that. Um, although I know that some of our listeners are not Muslim, but I hope they can derive uh, uh, some wisdom from that but experience. As you, as you mentioned, like we mentioned that this is based on your personal views. And Absolutely. What, and that's what we talk about. Like It's your own belief system that actually works and you connect with. you know. And, and on that note, uh, when I chose not to follow my own path, alhamdulillah, and to become an entrepreneur, that's the most vulnerable thing you can do. Because <laughs> I didn't come from Tell money. Me about it. I didn't get a check. <laughs> I didn't use my trust fund to start a business, yeah. although I was helped out, alhamdulillah, by generous family, uh, my immediate parents, of course, in the beginning. Um, you are in a constant state of vulnerability because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. whether it's corona, where, you know, the pandemic reality we're living through now, or worse or better or whatever. So I've had to reconcile yeah. with that vulnerability because I thought I needed to, to be strong 24-7. Honestly, my first year of the business, I almost, I would come home every day in a state of internal collapse, right? I had my Islamic tradition, but I was not applying it whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, outwardly, yes. So I fell into the trap, the usual trap. It becomes just going through the motions yeah. Yeah. kind of thing. You just perform, that's exactly I'm just performing because I'm yeah. not doing an internal performance. Exactly. You know, there's no inward seeking. There's no taking time from the material because I needed to make the money so I can pay the bills and, you know, because they'll close me down or, or whatever. So, 
Honestly, though, there was a po- can I swear? There was a point where I was, I was like, fuck it, right? I'm, I will stop giving a shit. I will achieve nothing. Very Buddhist, not Islamic. But I'll, achieve, I'll reach a stage of nothingness. I'll just do what I need to do, yeah. what I do best, and work hard at it, but expect nothing. Uh, when I got to that point, I was set free. I was like, I'm vulnerable. Yeah. At any moment, I could lose all of this. Alhamdulillah. That's great. Technically, and then I reached that realization, which is, does stem from our Islamic tradition, where a state of tawakkul, where you're like, if it happens and I think it's bad, it's still good. Mm-hmm. If it's good, it's good. It's all good. <laughs> right? That's good. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's my uh, small example of my own vulnerable situation, which sucks, by the way, because it hurts. And, um, you, and you avoid people who will who you think might hurt you in that yeah, state yeah, of mind. Yeah, like, yeah. I will not hang out with assholes if I'm feeling vulnerable. Especially assholes who don't understand that I'm vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I love fun. when you talked about the system. You know, the, the problem is our, let's say, I don't like just mentioning tradition, but the system we've been born in, mm. you know, the, the problem is, it's like we were handed the PDF file, you know, right. and not the editable file. Right. That's why we all kind of seek the same sort of footsteps yeah. that, you know, uh, that we learn from. Absolutely. And we can't do anything. And that's when you get to a certain awakening in life and you be like, you know what? This is not for me. And that's when you get to choose you, yeah. you know. And I, I relate loved, to that moment. I it, love it was a like, choice. You know, ex- that's the thing. It is. I mean, like, it, a turning point in life is just, I would say, like a wake-up call that makes you realize, you know what? I am tired of trying to fulfill an obligation that was handed to me and let me find out what life is trying to give me or like what I could make out of my life, you know, and not try to please anyone, try to please my my um, parents, please my friends. You know, I, I sh- I'm sure each and every one of you guys were... S- got into that trap where you'd be like, you know what? My life is not for me. I'll be trying, I'll be trying to do everything that um, I could to make my parents proud or um, to fit in or try to, um, you know, just be among a certain group. And it, it happens. We, we fall into this dilemma that um, we need to be in a certain box um, that would make us comfortable among a certain pact, I would say. Yeah. And it, it, it's tiring because you tend to pretend as much as you could, and that's when you lose the authentic self. Yeah. Um, I think what joins the four of us, and thank you for sharing that, that was beautiful to hear. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, and Fahed as well, yani for being so authentic and open with your sharing. Um, I think what joins the four of us is that we, uh, the four of us have made some uh, pretty bold decisions mm. based on faith. Yes. Uh, Jesus Christ in Nabi Isa has a saying, mm. uh, blessed are those who have faith who cannot see. I know it in Arabic verbatim. Mm. So we couldn't see where life would take, would take us, but we made that jump. We made that uh, uh, choice, hmm. but the faith I felt to make that choice came from what Fahad spoke about, which is cultivating uh, an inner connection with God. So I made the choice to make the jump from law 
which was very secure financially. Yeah. To, to I bet. Yes. <laughs> well, you have to say All those legal <laughs> fees and yeah. billing yeah. hours. Yeah. For sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so I made the jump very early on before the spiritual movement took root and started spreading. You mean become fashionable? Because it became a fashionable It thing. did, it like, did. I have spiritual beliefs. <laughs> yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one, of, one of the teachers, I'm, I'm not going to mention her name, but when she was young, she used to like complain to her mom, why do you make us meditate? Right. Everyone thinks I'm weird. So she thought, when you grow up and it finally becomes fashionable, you're going to thank me. And it did. So it comes from, and I think it's a, a relationship of complete loving bliss with God. So it's not just how much you open your heart to loving your creator. Yeah. It's to you bringing the awareness of how much your creator loves you. Right. I think the biggest disservice, the biggest crime that was committed uh, to generations all over the world is that not only that we were not taught that God loves us mm. at a young age, how much he loves us at a young age, we were taught that God hates us at a young age. So the majority of children are told, if you don't do that, uh, God will throw you in hell. If you don't listen to me, God will, you know. And at a young age, the psyche is formed under five, and even five to ten, the psyche of the child is formed. So you grow up believing that you're alone in life when you're never alone in life. Mm. You might live alone, you might do some things on your own, but you're not ever really alone. Exactly. You're always uh, surrounded by God's light and love, his angels, his light workers, mm. everyone that's supporting you constantly, energetically in everything you do. And the full tradition as well. Yeah. So uh, as Muslims, we derive great power, wisdom from our full tradition. Yeah. So we're not, you're absolutely right. I agree with you 100%. And, in, in, uh, and what it in fact is, it's a tradition of complete and utter unconditional and powerful acts of love. Mm. Yeah, any, any story you'll hear about the Prophet Muhammad is a story of radical loving. Mm. Uh, I love the story of him and his uh, Jewish neighbor mm. when, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if the story, if I'm telling the story right, maybe Fahad, you can correct me later, but the Jewish neighbor would throw garbage every day at the uh, Prophet's doorstep. Yeah. And one day he didn't go to throw the garbage and the Prophet went to ask about him. Mm -hmm. Many of us would see the story as in a look how much better the Prophet is. But that's not the reason why the Prophet went to ask about him. Yeah. He went to ask about him because he actually loved him. Yeah. He loved him. It didn't matter what the, what the man was doing outwardly. Inwardly, he loved him because the Prophet is someone who loves. Right. Because he's connected to the loving Creator. And I think that's what gave us this bold power to make the choice is that we connected to love, right. we connected to the essence of Allah, of yeah. God. Let me, let me emphasize on one thing. Like this right here is something I kind of really cherish because you act based on your values. You don't act because how people react, because you try to define who you are in your, in your behaviors, in your habits, in your actions. Mm -hmm. And that's, this, is, this is really important. Don't ever change your values based on some sort of actions coming towards you that makes you just react to hurt. You know, just always come from a place of love 
which is something I always emphasize, always let your actions be derived from a place of love. And this will reflect what you truly stand for and what are your virtues and values. Mm. And this is something beautiful for you to touch on. Um, I want to just go back to one thing that you mentioned earlier um, regarding vulnerability and um, entrepreneurship and, you know, like the, the, the state where you are independent. Yeah. I love that. I've been independent since a very young age by choice. Mm. Um, and I could tell you there is a statement that I always emphasize on. You never get what you don't ask for. Right. You don't get what you don't ask for. You try to be successful, whatever that means. You try to run behind um, the things that you think are um, good for you. Mm. And people get to see you and be like, you know what? You're doing a good thing, you know, encouraging you and all that. And the thing is, this feeds into your ego. And that's when, especially when you're working um, towards something to prove a point, you know, not understanding the why, the actual why behind it, what happens is you get to a point where you don't even ask for help. Right. And it becomes very hurtful, very lonely. And the thing is, we tend to think there's no one out there is willing to support us. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to just to point out, guys, there's a lot of people, a lot of people that are willing to help if you just give them the chance. I relate to this. I'm, I don't like book clubs, but then I joined one. And it became a support. <laughs> it became a support. <laughs> and, and this is what's funny. In relation to the love element, I don't have a problem with, with the infinite love concept because I'm not saying, oh, I have the great and powerful understanding, but I understand it in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. So I used to avoid any book or poem or anything by Rumi. All right? And then there's the book that you, I'm sure you are most, all of you are aware of. Uh, Elish, of the 40 Rules of Love. <laughs> I used to call it the 40 Rules of Something Else. <laughs> and uh, I did not know what it was about, completely prejudged it. Because <laughs> every... I'm curious. And effectively, uh, because I had read translations of Rumi, I don't speak Dari Farsi, yeah. right? And every translation, translation I have read is what I did not know was from an Orientalist point mm-hmm. of view. Like love, the beloved, it's all about love and infinite love and all that. Yeah. And um, uh, when I, I was like, okay, this book has been on my shelf. A mutual friend of ours gave me this book. Mm-hmm. It was Asmahan. Yeah. Right? Hey. Hey, Asmahan. Uh, <laughs> and uh, four months, five months, I didn't touch it. So I decided to read it. And, you know, we read section by section, as a book club should, I suppose. Yeah. And um, one of the uh, guys on the group posted a, a quick kind of synopsis of Romy's life. Mm-hmm. And a transformation occurred. I'm, I don't want to get into too long a story. I know we have a very limited amount of time. Uh, so in my mind, he transformed completely from Rumi to Maulana Jalaluddin Rumi, mm-hmm. the uh, Mufti of Kunya, yeah. you know, a scholar. So in my mind, the transformation was extremely radical. And then I watched this lecture by Stav Fereydun Mujaddidi, who is the only actual Dari-speaking, Farsi-understanding 
scholastic-looking individual who translated Rumi's text. And it was exactly what you're saying. The beloved is Allah. One of his beloved is the Prophet, These are the keys to infinite love. But before Rumi ever got there, he had the basics down. People tend, my fear with Rumi was always, I understand the love concept. And love is both sweet and sour. But without practice, without religious practice, without putting in physical energy, as well as internal, it's just a new age thing. Does that make sense? Did I explain myself well? Yeah. And that's what I was afraid of with Rumi until I was proven completely and utterly wrong. I'm really enjoying the book, by the way. Nice. nice. If, you, if you allow me to, um, you know, Bassam said something earlier about how all is good, right? Like, I forget who said, so yeah. he was detached from the results. Mm. And I think that's very empowering. And, you know, your, your face literally lit up when you were saying that, right? I'm yeah. sure you guys uh, saw that. And... Um, this idea of detachment from worldly matters, mm. I think, needs to be uh, balanced with attachment to our Creator, mm -hmm. right? Of course, because that's right. where it comes from. Exactly, because as human beings, we are designed to attach, yeah. mm. right? It's a natural instinct. Or people like to force us to attach. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I love the idea of, I'm sure you've heard of the concept of the I'll be happy syndrome. I'll be happy when, when I yes. get married. Oh, I'll be happy when I become a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm happy right now. And uh, with, with no results, I'm still happy, right? So this idea of Eckhart Tolle's concept of being present and the now and the power of the now. But I think what I would like to bridge is this concept with what Hamid touched on earlier about the ego. Yeah. Uh, and the... The way I see ego, coming back to that diagram of you being the center of your life, right? So that represents the ego to me. Where you are in constant need of something, right? So it's a form of iftiqar, which in Arabic literally means, or in English it means to be poor, yeah. right? to be in need of something. Yeah. Um, and the opposite of faqir in Arabic is ghani, mm -hmm. right? And one of Allah's beautiful names is al-ghani. Yeah. Okay which means self-sufficient, mm -hmm. yeah. the one who is free of need. Yeah. And so when we become Abdul Ghani, we actually um, connect to the source of abundance. all abundance, right? He's the source of everything. He's infinite the source abundance. of my... Exactly, infinite, 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 right? That tap never you know, uh, uh, closes, right? Mm -hmm. So he's the source of my love. He's the source of my courage. He's the source of my strength. He's the source... He's the source of my peace. And therefore, I become free of need of anything worldly. But at the same time, and so I interpret La ilaha illallah to, to be in that. La ilaha meaning I detach myself from everything that's worldly. Illallah, I attach myself to Allah alone. Right? And that's the ultimate freedom. Yeah. With that comes power, but power can sometimes be dangerous yeah. if it's not balanced with humility. True. Right? And that's where I think, I mean, Surah Al-Fatiha, like the central ayah of Surah Al-Fatiha is, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ And so I think isti'ana is where Allah reminds us that, yes, you can be empowered enough to be independent of worldly things, but don't forget go back to that me. you 
need me. Yeah. Your independence is my will. Exactly. Anyways. Yeah. And you will always yeah. need me, yeah. right? Yeah, true. True. And it took me a long time to understand this, because especially when you get sucked into the um, the self-development world, right? Yeah. 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 Where you can do this, anything is possible, design your life and um, date with destiny and that kind of stuff, right? It can sometimes, it sounds nice, right? It, it, it sounds empowering temporarily, but then reality hits you, right? Yeah. In the face. And um, to share with you another personal story, this happened to me three years ago where, you know, I, I was living the life where, I mean, alhamdulillah, everything was in harmony, everything was synchronized. Beautiful. You know, I Your was in alarm flow. Rang, you woke yeah. up, that kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> and, um, and subhanAllah, um, and that's, that's what I would preach in my sessions. And, you know, this, hopefully for the audience that's listening, mm. it's something that I need to be real with right now, right? So after three years, um, I realized that I was wrong in some things that I taught. Mm. Um, so I was being off balance where everything is in your control. Everything is in your hands. You can achieve the impossible. And my iyakanastain was weakening, mm-hmm. right? Interesting. And so... Allah has his own beautiful ways to teach, right? And so the way he taught me was, uh, I have, alhamdulillah, four kids, three daughters, one son, right? Right. Um, Of course, I I got hints from Allah earlier on. Like, my dad passed away 15 years ago. One of my daughters passed away after 21 days of being born, right? So these were reminders that you're not totally in control. There are some aspects where... If at all. Exactly. (laughs) And then, uh, but again... Those were just, just incidences, but this, the one that happened last, uh, three years ago, this was the turning point, right? right. Where my second daughter um, was completely perfectly born and you know, running and playing and everything, started developing a very strange you know, limp in her walking, right? She, she, she started limping and the teachers in, in her nursery were calling up my wife and saying, you guys need to check up your daughter because like when she goes up the stairs she doesn't go up like the rest of the kids she's struggling Um, so check her out and so that's where our journey began with um, that's where our journey began with seeking diagnosis and and as this was happening her condition started deteriorating further and further and further and doctors whether locally or abroad weren't getting into into an answer. I mean, we've done all the MRIs, all the blood tests, all the ultrasounds, you name it, right? Been to some of the top children's hospitals in the world, no answers, right? Genetic tests, no answers. And today she's on a wheelchair, alhamdulillah. You know, she's officially handicapped. So I have the handicap sticker, which is an advantage because you get to park, (laughs) (laughs) you know? City center. City center, like a king, you know? But... um, and, and she's, she's going to school, alhamdulillah. You know, I'm, I feel blessed that she's mentally capable and you know, her upper body is completely perfect. She's beautiful. Um, she's only eight, right? Right. And she's but full I of feel, life, man. Yeah, I full met of her. life, alhamdulillah. Yeah. You know, just with, with no legs. And she keeps asking the question, Baba, you know, why me? Or, um, you know, if Allah really loves me, then why did he do this? You know, these are tough questions that you need to answer. But, I, I, you know, I can't say... I don't want to repeat the thing that our forefathers did, right? By yeah. telling her to shut up and just believe, yeah. right? I need to be, you know, transparent with her. And, um, 
you know, the, the bottom line of all of it is, listen, Allah loves you, right? And whatever happens in life, shit sometimes happens. Yeah. It will happen to all of us, whether it's financial shit, relationship shit, health shit. Bucket of shit. Yeah, <laughs> right? Or just simple, you know. <laughs> it will happen. And there's no, uh, there's nothing can, that can stop it. And that, yeah. from Allah, is a reminder for us all that, that I, I'm in control. Yeah. And whatever is happening to us is for our own benefit. I mean, there is perfection in that shit. Mm, it sounds <laughs> ironic, right? Like, but all of this shit is perfect. Right. Because uh, everything that Allah creates is perfect, and nothing happens out of, outside of His will, outside outside of His idhan. Right. And so, it, again, for an eight-year child to digest that takes time, right? But that yeah. you know, it's something that needs to be affirmed, exactly. Yeah. But for me personally, you know, that really kind of made me realize that yes, self-development is great. It empowers you, right, to be independent, to have the strength, mm. to get yourself out of the victimhood, right. To get yourself out of the blame game, right? That's great, but then it is essential to be balanced with, with faith, with religion, with spirituality, which humbles you, which makes you realize that there are going to be things in life that are yeah. going to be completely outside of your control. And I love the prayer. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's called the Serenity Prayer. Yes, I use right. it a lot. Yeah. Uh, so it basically, it, it says, um, "God, give me the serenity." Yeah. To accept the things that I cannot change mm -hmm. And the courage to change the things that I can Indeed. And the wisdom to know the difference Absolutely I don't know. Yeah, So it sums it up, you know But well, thank you Thank you so much for sharing yeah, That was really um, intimate um, The bucket of shit <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, Because it justifies um, How God tests you by either giving you so much and seeing how your connection with him becomes or takes away everything from you and seeing how your how like your strength or the faith uh your your faith in god is you know at that at that given point but one thing that you touched upon that i really um respect you for is the idea of not just you know like the way that you addressed it and you kind of went on the same level as your kid, which a lot of parents don't do nowadays, that you reasoned. And trust me, if, if there is a takeaway message for parents from this, please reason with your kids. They understand. They're willingly willing to learn and understand from you, even if you don't know or don't have the answer at that given point. Just Try to educate yourself. Try to educate yourself to give them something to hold on to, to believe in, because leaving a kid without any kind of understanding, and as you mentioned, being the wilderness, could lead them to a really, really dark road in their life that might lead to a lot of health issues, mental health issues, different belief systems that you don't even understand where they came from, sure. you know, that, that is true guidance. And I really respect you for that. Thank you. I'm very touched by uh, Fahad's story. Mm. And I'm very touched by his um, uh, 
uh, ability and uh, his parenting ability and I like to uh, move uh, a child's point of view uh, to see that everything that God gives us is a carefully chosen gift is a, is a blessed tool one can use uh, for the rest of his life. I have a personal story to share. Um, it's not going to be as incredibly impactful as <laughs> stories. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. Oh, disclaimer. Uh, okay. As you get you guys are not awaiting a big punchline. That's the best. Well, my heart goes out to you. I, mean, I was considering like breaking this interview and giving you a hug. <laughs> corona or not Corona. So I don't have any. Anyways, that's such a disclaimer, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so my story goes back to something you had said, uh, which is how important it is to cultivate the ability to ask. Yes. Now, asking for help is something. Yani, it sounds very easy in theory. Mm. It's actually a very uh, challenging spiritual muscle to cultivate. Right. Then it requires immense use of your feminine energy. Right. Okay? Masculine energy orders. What right. it wants, and we all, and most people, when they ask some for something, they say, uh, "Get me, uh, a bottle of water, or uh, open the door, please." Uh, we we do the pleases and thank yous, but the energy remains masculine. Right. To ask for something is to know that you may not be offered what you want. So if you can, please, if it's possible, if it, and it's a very, it requires a lot. Uh, of uh, feminine energy to get the question out and a lot of vulnerability because you're opening yourself up for rejection. Right. And that's a, a concept we struggle with. People go through elaborate... As, lens, men, as men. As mean. men specifically. Yeah. And women. And yeah. a lot of our women are masculine energy women as well. Yeah. They go through elaborate lengths to avoid hearing the word no. Right. Now, giving a no is a very powerful thing to do. Receiving a no... It's equally as powerful right. to receive the no with grace. Right. So this is my uh, story. My story is I was uh, in Mecca uh, doing my Umrah. I, was, I actually was completed my Umrah uh, sitting in front of Al-Kaaba. Mm. Uh, I used to uh, wake up before uh, Salat al-Fajr, as everyone does, yeah. go down, do my prayers, uh, my read Quran, my affirmations, my awrad as I wait for the uh, Salah. And like, I was done with everything I could think of doing, so I just sat there and I looked at Al-Kaaba, and I just wanted to live the moment. I was able to, but I wasn't able to immerse myself in the awareness that I'm currently living the dream of yeah. millions. Right. Millions around the world right. would do anything to be in my place. And, and you know, I was sitting like, Sahan, yani very close. It was right in front of me, and it's like, uh, well, you need to like experience and understand and completely immerse yourself in the awareness that this is not, uh, and this is a holy moment. You're living the dream of millions. You just need to take that in, and I couldn't. I could not. Mm. I could not take in the awareness that this was such a huge blessing living the dream of millions uh, and being able to connect to God while energy is swirling around you mm. from all over the world. Right. So I ask God to help me. Dear God, please help me take this in. Please help me immerse myself in this moment fully. 
And so I make that request of God and nothing. Right. And for the rest of that trip, I couldn't fully take it in. Right. So I, I leave Bahrain that day, the day of, it was our last day there, the day of this request I made. And I go back, sleep, wake up the next day, my routine, which you, back then included a walk in Doha Tarat. Right. Which is an area we have in Muharraq where people go to walk and exercise. And breathe carbon monoxide. Well, hopefully not. I'm, I'm focusing on the oxygen part. I'm to walk closer to the trees and breathe in the oxygen they yeah. breathe out to you. True. Excellent. Okay. So, as I move in, I, I was listening to either a song, an audio book, or one of my lectures. I, I was listening to this, our spiritual lecture. I was listening to something. Right. And I was in changing the track. And in that moment that I changed the track, in that space of silence, I listened to like three young Hargi boys mm. speaking to, to each other in Arabic, mm. saying, I heard from someone, I guess a parent or someone, that if you have faith in your dream, it will come true. Do you think that's true? Do you think if I really believe my dream will come true? So I, mean, I, I know my cues from the universe. Right. So I stop listening. I go sit next to them and act like I'm playing with my phone or doing whatever. And the conversation goes something like this. Yes, I believe that's true. If you believe God will help you in creating your dream, right. uh, you can achieve anything you want. So then one of the boys says, my biggest dream is to one day see the Kaaba. Oh, wow. Do you think that so dream will ever come true? So I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> wait, stop, pause Wait a minute God is answering me yeah. This is God He actually made me rendezvous right. With a young child Who has that dream He, yani, he made me understand The, the, the immense man. So I stand up And I, I go and I enter The conversation with the boys Like Salam alaikum. Yeah. <laughs> okay. right. So I'm trying to think of what, what to say next. So I said, I just was listening to you three boys speaking. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say how proud of you I am and how uh, supportive of you, of, of you I am. And I'm, I think God wants me to come here and tell you that your dreams will come true. Because I was in Al Kaaba yesterday asking, I didn't actually tell them that I was asking that, as I told them, and uh, I did all the things that يعني, you could dream of being there. And I think God will help you in uh, creating that moment for yourself. Right. So the boys stood up, like, like Adults, like, salam. <laughs> it's amazing how little Hargi boys can turn into adults and like in one fell swoop, turn on the Arab on you. So, uh, after they were done with that, I, they were like, every word you told us will remain with us forever because you're like uh, uh, our elder father. Oh, God. I don't like that part, I don't like that part, but like for the sake of the moment, I had to follow through. Yani. I was like, and you're like my kids. Yani. And a moment, yani, months later, I right. hear like the sounds of bicycles coming from behind me. And it's these boys. Do you remember us? Do you remember us? I was like, of course I remember you. So they told us we went to our... Uh, uh, parents and we told them the story and what you told us and our parents told us the guy you met 
is wali min awliya Allah salihin. So obviously the parents ma chafaw allah. La chafaw allah kan ghayru rayhum. Yani they obviously didn't see the look that I was sporting back then. Right. But that moment really touched me because I asked and I was given a very beautiful demonstration of what I wanted to receive. Amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. I love that great punchline. Well, <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you really tore your story down, but I loved it. Thanks. I, I have a, not a rebuttal, obviously, because it wasn't an argument, but or debate. Uh, in relation to the ego and vulnerability yeah. thing, I recently watched the. I watched very more. I watch very morbid things sometimes, like sad and alone things. Um, and I watched this documentary about. Uh, have you heard of the Jim Jones massacre? No. This is insane, okay? In terms of ego, and an individual, you get to the heights of where you annihilate humility in all its forms. The lucky ones are those who get the messages, right? Alhamdulillah, like where you are getting to a stage of, it's all of me. And then you get a message, and you're receptive to it, and then you change your course or adjust. Mm-hmm. Those are the lucky ones. Yeah. Unlucky ones is this individual right here, at least in my opinion where you just continue on the path and it gets worse, worse, worse. And this guy effectively was a preacher somewhere from Indianapolis and he convinced a bunch of people that he was, you know, he was the voice of God. And then they followed him to California. And then suddenly his rhetoric was changing and it was becoming more extreme. And then he claimed that he was a, a prophet of God or, or whatever. And then he was God for a while. And then he decided that the promised land is in South America and Guyana. Because where else would God choose other than <laughs> the only South American country that speaks English? So he goes there, and what follows is something insane. Uh, because of the amount of control he had on these people, because of their inability to break free and think for themselves, uh, and it was about 900 people, he was going to be taken down because of certain reasons by the FBI or the CIA or whatever. And then he decided, do you know that phrase? It's an American phrase, drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. This is where it comes from. So he decided, we need to free ourselves from this mortal coil because I am God and I promise that you all go to paradise and it'll be amazing. Uh, To take some Kool-Aid, fake Kool-Aid, because they didn't have real shit in uh, South America, (laughs) and put cyanide in it. And it resulted in one of the biggest massacres on earth. 900 people willingly, well, some unwillingly, took, drank, uh, cyanide-laced uh, Kool-Aid and killed themselves and most of them in the false belief that they will go to a better place all because of one man's ego because he was going to be caught uh, by the FBI everybody must die and come with me and uh, I know this is very morbid perhaps we shouldn't end on this note somebody needs to follow this shit up with a, <laughs> with a, with a happy story yeah. uh, but a clear example and the reason I'm mentioning it, because I think you must watch it, because a lot of these tapes have been preserved, mm-hmm. especially his preacher tapes, his final tape, while people were actually dying. And by the way, he had the kids go first. And cyanide is a, is a toxin where people don't die nice and peacefully. They actually suffocate to death. Um, and you can hear him. And for those of us, inshallah, who are self-aware, you get to understand this man's psychology. What it took to bring him to this moment and to take all these people with him which is a compounded crime in itself. So yeah, uh, to me, immediately while watching that, I was like, 
okay, let's assume that I was in a position where my ego can go to the most extreme. This is where it would end up. There's no other place it can go. It's godhood. You claim it somehow, right? Yeah. It always take, takes the, the eventual path. The ego will always take it to like extreme masculinity because yeah. someone yeah. or extremely negative femininity because yourself. Right, right. Um, Fascinating. I didn't see it that way. I love when it comes to the energies. You have the king, queen, prince, and princess. You know, dividing your energies based on these, as you mentioned earlier, the king is the provider, the, the, um, the one that actually gives all the um, orders and all that. The prince comes in who's the ego, and, you know, like he's um, irrational. He does, you know, he doesn't give a shit. He does right. all that. And then you have the queen, the nurturer, and you have um, the princess, which is someone, I mean, um, a lady that wants the attention. You know, like dividing them into these small categories make you realize where you kind of see yourself sometimes. Mm. We tend to f play around within these categories. The only thing is we don't, we're, we're not, we're not aware of it. Mm. You know, sometimes, uh, I just, this is the question later on I'm going to ask you, what is masculinity to you all? But, you know, like even as men, we tend to present ourselves in a certain way not realizing that we have that energy, but we're not aware of it, the feminine energy, you know. And one of the things that um, we want to touch upon in mm -hmm. this talk is, you know, it's okay to tap into your, mas uh, your masculinity, but you need to embrace your feminine and find that balance in between because if you let loose, it might take you um, to places you don't want to go. And it's, it's what Walid said. It's like the ultimate extreme. Exactly, and if there's you, nowhere to go but there, but if the you thing let it is, go, getting to that point where you had that balance, this is where harmony happens, you know. And adding something that you said uh, to it earlier, imagine this: having that balance within you, and eventually understanding that everything that you seek out of this world is given to you by Allah. It makes you understand that you know what. Let me do my best. As a being, let me do my best. With what I've got. You know, with what I've got. And tawakkul, that's when tawakkul comes in, and that's when you try your best, you know. But any, um, this is where something that we kind of fall out of the wagon is lihsan. When we do our best in every single part in our lives. And that's when I guess you get in the place of harmony where you treat people the best way possible because I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for God. Mm. When it comes to working, I'm not doing it for the company. Mm. I'm doing it because God gave me this gift. And right now, I want to make the best out of this. This is showing gratitude towards work. And it, come, it falls under every single category when you said it. I'm doing it to please God. I'm not pleasing anyone else. And truly, that's when... Um, you get, get to the point of contentment. And the only reason why I bought this is, imagine this. Um, I went to a friend who just uh, recently I met, and um, she tells me, Hamad, um, she was talking to a friend about me, and I don't know how, like the context of how did I show up in that conversation, but the conversation led to, Hamad, there's something fishy about you, that you're always positive. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, we just, let's, let's put it this way. 
if you get negative people, you hate their guts. Right. If you have positive people, there's something fishy about it. To be What? honest, I'm one of these people. Like, you know? if somebody's happy all the time, then you're either on the best medication, <laughs> all right? Give me some of that. Or, I don't know, you have Run a drip somewhere. But that's the thing, you know, like, what's, what is too much, you know? But at the end of the day, my answer, my answer to that is, I'm not, I hate the word positive. I dread it. Because eventually, I got to a point in life, which you mentioned, the anchor, to me is... I made peace with myself and my relationship with God that I am worryless. I love to put it in a way that I don't worry about things because I got to a point where I um, 100% believe that God is with me. That's why, and I, I actually posted it. And just by the point, the point that you don't worry because you know that God is with you. God is, he is, give, he gives you the happiness. God gives you, grants you happiness. You, we mentioned everything earlier, but he, he grants you happiness. So that means he could take it away from you. you know? And that is a profound moment where you realize, you know what? Let me do my best. You know, let me do my best in every shape, way, or form. And let me think of God. Here is where you actually, um, and think about God and the best way, and God will grant you whatever you think about him, mm -hmm. you know? And that's where my happiness is derived from, my contentment and the answer to this lady who mm -hmm. thought I'm very positive. Right. I am just, I'm, I'm in a good place with God right now. Mm -hmm. And eventually, if you see a smile on my face, it's because I've did, I paid my dues, mm -hmm. I do everything I could, and I'm happy right now with that. I'm doing What I interpret what you said is, you don't do it from a place of positivity, You do it from a place of tranquility. Like that the Sakina said. element is very important. I understand that completely. He summed up like the last 10 minutes in two words. Hey, now. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have a really cool demo, guys. You guys will see something. If, you, if I can borrow that. Sure. I need gum. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay. Is, that, is, is, is that a break? If you don't mind. I'm yeah? done. I'm done. So, oh. okay. so guys, um, I loved what you said about worry less. And um, you know, this connects to the idea of resilience, yeah. right? So yes, yeah, human beings are vulnerable. We, we have our ups and downs. There's moments of contraction, moments of expansion. And that's nature of how things work in life, right? Yeah. And uh, the contractions are necessary for mm -hmm. us to grow, yeah? Um, but this is really a lesson on faith, right? And so the water in these bottles represents faith. And luckily we have like the ideal uh, setup here, right? Yeah. So we have a bottle full of faith. <laughs> you know, a bottle of half faith, which is most of us, right? Because we're, we're all aspiring, right? Inshallah. May Allah fill our bottles Inshallah. with more faith. Or increase the size of the bottle. <laughs> which will be problematic. Cause well, it's, it's I'll tell you a story about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And this is an example of um, someone who's faithless. Yes? And... Just a simple exercise, right? So, so when this bottle is squeezed, notice, there's no worries. Like the, the, the bottle is able to hold up, and think of the bottle as your heart, right? Because Iman and faith is in your heart. And so no matter how strong the pressure is, no matter how strong the contraction is, the you're able to hold on to it, right? Pressures, yeah. And this will be the awliya Allah and the, you know, the salihin and nabiyin and siddiqin. 
or us at different points in our lives. Hopefully, yeah, in moments of our lives, right? Inshallah. Like the moment uh, in Duhat Arad, maybe. Yeah. And this is. Yeah, exactly. And so this is the typical us, right? So notice there's more sound now, yeah. right? And it's crushing, it's pain. Yeah. And uh, it might last for, last for a while, but eventually it does go back in shape, right? Yeah. So you're not fully damaged, right? There's, yeah. And there's possibility for healing. But then this is the scary one, right? The maskeen. Where there's no faith. Mm-hmm. And the slightest, slightest trouble in life, you know, yeah. just damages um, the, uh, the bottle. And actually, I'm supposed to do this without the, 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 the cap. The cap. <laughs> it was still effective. But yeah, this is, this is really yeah. the... Uh, and so some people get... I don't want to say... It, Permanently damaged? I don't know, Walid, maybe you can comment on that, but severely damaged, right? And, and it becomes, and I've faced clients like yeah. that who mm-hmm. come up to me. Usually they don't come up to me, their parents come up to me, yeah. asking me to help. And honestly, after a couple of sessions, I'm like, guys, this is beyond yeah. my work. And honestly, like, I mean, it's either people who have had severe drug addiction, or in one case it was. Addiction to gaming, where like basically they give up on life and it's just gaming, right? right. No school, no studies, nothing. I heard some crazy stories about that. Yeah. So this is this is That's a reality here, right? Yeah. This is so really yeah, I just want to share this with you and to, to show you the importance of faith and how it really helps us deal with the um, uh, the pain in life and how resilience comes with faith, you know. And, and worries basically are temporary and they go away. Uh, I really love what you just shared with us, Fahed. It actually reminded me of a story uh, of... Uh, it's very similar. What reminded me is that the parents bringing the child. I was brought a young man once who was so lost from where he was. And when I told him that, why are you here? He told me, because I have to be. Because my parents brought me here because I have an alcohol problem. And even though I couldn't walk with him all his path, because like you, I don't deal with people who uh, need survive I usually deal with clients uh, who want to thrive I was uh, very taken by the fact that all I needed to do to flip his energy was to talk about something uh, he loves uh, which is where femininity comes into place because what you love what you're passionate about what feeds your emotions your inner child your childhood is the feminine element within you what drives you in the outward uh, world to succeed to think to plan uh, to think about your future and past and like find a common ground is the masculine element. So, yes. Yeah. And that's, that gets us to the question. I would like to hear your opinion of masculinity. So to me, masculinity and femininity, uh, a lot of people use them as if they're uh, opposing energies mm. when they're not. They're two systems of energies where if one works well, the other works better mm. as with everything in life and everything in our bodies, if one country is uh, experiencing a surge of peace and prosperity, it's good for the whole world. Mm. If your feminine energy is experienced. So to me, the, the, the masculine energy is the energy of uh, will, strength, intelligence, outwardly planning and uh, dealing with life. It's the energy of protection. It's the energy of uh, thinking. Whereas feminine energy is the energy of emotion, fun, memories, uh, singing, uh, talents, hobbies, uh, and feeling, right. and present moment. 
So to me, what masculinity's role in life is important and vital because we, our masculine element yeah. creates the space uh, of protection mm. in which the feminine feels safe enough to flourish. The best masculine feminine example is a parent-child relationship. So the child usually, the younger he is or she is, are always in their feminine element. If you see a young child when they're young, mm. you usually can't tell if they're a boy or a girl. Right. They're both so beautiful. So because they're both completely immersed in their feminine element, they, they play, they only think about now, they don't plan. But it's the good masculine energy parent that creates the structure, the schedule, that you're going to sleep at this time, you're going to have your dinner at that, mm. in which this feminine energy can flourish. And to tell someone that you don't need the, the schedule to flourish is a lie. You do need at least a small structure in your life to work within. Relationships need some sort of frame. Right. Marriage or whatever that frame is to you. You do need some kind of guideline for the relationship to actually flourish. So to me, masculinity can do its best work when femininity is healed as well. Mm. So my message here to all the men listening and all the women listening is if you tend to your feminine side by tending to your inner child, and that's what I'd like to focus on, do the things you did when you were little and you enjoyed them, watch the cartoons, listen to the music, eat the food, go down the memories that you enjoyed when you were young, this will give you a lot of fuel to fuel the masculine side that needs to get out there and do the things that you'll need to do in the world to be uh, content. If, if you think the same way we're masculine to the world, we create onto the world, mm. we're feminine in terms of our relationship to God. Right. So definitely activate your femininity around spirituality in order to receive. Right. And again, that will help you work in sync with your masculine energy to create and give. Beautiful, beautiful. And that's what I call the harmony. Yeah. Yep. Very harmonious. Beautiful. Yeah, so I think... Um, my ending words would be for all the listeners here is some practical advice on how to deal with issues. Um, based on my, you know, humble experience, uh, having the courage to seek help. Mm. You know, there's no no shame in seeking help. Um, you know, step up and seek help. We, as human beings, were created to be interdependent mm -hmm. on one another. Absolutely. Right? And so, um, help is out there. It's available. And today, with technology, you can reach out to anyone, pretty much anywhere on the globe, right? And, and seek help. But um, what we've noticed is, I think Willie would share the same thing, is that in the, in the personal development or spiritual seeking space it's the ratio is usually like 90 percent females 10 percent males right yeah. and um one of the reasons is of course ego right and fear of labeling and fear of judgment which yeah. is again uh, problematic right so get yourself out of this judgment and especially self-judgment and self-sabotage and seek help. And when I say seek help, I need to be also very specific because that's a gen generic term. And this, when I, when I'm about, what I'm about to share with you is my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. 
And because when it comes to seeking help, often um, it's either either someone, and this is no disrespect to any profession, right? But there's psychotherapists out there, there's counselors, there's uh, even like medication help, right? And these are all uh, valid and in their they have their own places. But what I would prioritize, and if you need any of these, please. Uh, Proceed with it and seek help. But what I would prioritize on top of the list is, which I believe, according to the Quran, is that the problem is not really the mind. When you talk about mental health, we often think of the mind, and you know the logos and the pictures that come up in these promotional campaigns. It's usually like a brain, yeah, right. But I feel that Quranically speaking, the language that Allah uses is the heart. Now that could be interpreted in different ways, right? Because the heart could also be the center of our being. But I feel that healing needs to start at the heart, and the heart is the center of it all. And our beloved Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, has also mentioned in you know uh, an authentic narration of the uh, the state of the heart that when it is pure, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, right? But when it is purified then the entire body is purified and when it is corrupted the entire body is corrupted Absolutely. that is the state of the heart Absolutely. and so so besides seeking professional help for your mind right cbt or whatever right seek help for your heart mm-hmm. and you know the questioner might or, or the listener might question that how where you know, who right and so so the answer to that would be seek a mentor seek someone who is a guide to you and this has been in our tradition all, th- all throughout history, right? Uh, even our beloved Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, had a, had a teacher who was Jibreel alayhi salam, right? Yes. And then uh, the companions had the Prophet alayhi salam, and then the companions had, you know, the tabi'een had the companions, and it was just a chain, subhanAllah, yeah. you know? And this just shows you how we benefit one another our, and are interdependent on one another. In our culture today, we... And, and due to the misinformation that you talked about and the misinformation overload, right? It's not really information overload. It's misinformation overload, right? Yeah. And so what we need to develop is the skill of discernment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of the concept of the false sheikhs out there, right? So there's a lot of problems. And, and, and not that's only them. And Even like we have different coaches and different people that exactly. are trying, they're utilizing this. Exactly. exactly. So yeah. that's a skill that you need to develop yeah. and you need to make a lots of du'as yeah. that Allah will guide you to the authentic, uh, you can call him sheikh or mentor or guide or whatever, right? But without the guide, it's, very, it's a very lonely road. Yes. And you could save years of your life with the right guide. And... You know, one of the the signs of a of an authentic guide mm-hmm. is that he will help you purify your heart, right? And um, you know, one of the biggest tools to do this is dhikr, of course, right? Allah yeah. And Allah here, as linguistically speaking, is an only and only dhikr. So Allah is saying Allah, meaning. Dhikr and only dhikr can heal the heart. Dhikr and only dhikr can give you a contentment of the heart and that sound heart, right? And so, um, yes, you can shop around for dhikr on YouTube and uh, listen to tracks online, right? But getting uh, 
or finding the humility to seek a teacher who will guide you step by step, who will teach you how to purify your heart. Because that is a, a science in and of itself, yeah. right? Which is known as the science of Ihsan or whatever you want to call it, right? But um, a lot of people have resistance from this. They're like, no, 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 this is like yeah. shady stuff, right? This is a li- Sufism, exactly, which yeah, people hate whatever. this word. Yeah, but tasawwuf is part of the Islamic tradition. Of course. And yeah, we can call it the level of Ihsan or Tazkiyat al-Nafs, whatever you want to call it. But I think this is essential. It needs to be a priority besides all the other things. And um, uh, when the student is ready, ready the teacher ap- will appear, sure. inshallah. For sure. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, I just, I love to emphasize that. Like on, in all my posts, you will see the hashtag accept help and only accept help when you're ready. And one of the most beautiful things that I always, always say, I wish to be an answer for someone's prayer. You know, as as sure. like as a guidance, like um, just to help them out through. Like I know I chose a path, but within the whole experience of my life, I've led my life based on all these experiences that got me to a position where you know what, I would make sure I would let you at least feel the way I feel because you know what, it I'm in a beautiful place right now, and I want that for you. Excellent. I mean, I, I, I love what all of you guys said. I think, uh, Walid, you tackled the sort of internal, and then, Fahad, you gave the external practical advice. And the idea of seeking a mentor is something I've had in my mind as well, personally, for myself. SubhanAllah, I think that's brilliant. I think what I'd like to add, in terms of a definition of masculinity, perhaps uh, from a trait perspective, one of the ways in which I learned what masculinity was very early on was through books. So I would seek, uh, I had that question. My, my father was a busy man. He wasn't there to tutor me in the ways of, of the masculine self. And so you seek community, you seek friends, you, seek, you have uncles or whatever. But I always liked reading, and so I found it in that. Um, and what I come, came to understand, that it is exactly what Waleen mentions, definitely a harmony between what people might consider a feminine quality, which is rahma or compassion, with outward will and strength. This is what I learned personally from our tradition. Uh, it is the worlds, worlds we know and worlds we don't know, which in itself is very trippy and very Star Trekky, and I love it. Uh, so one of the characters, actual human being here, a biographical account for me is him. And what I like about it, it is very human. And I derived a lot of my understanding of situational masculinity from reading through it, from decent sources, of course. So wisdom, for me, is the ultimate thing. I think it, is, it underpins a lot of what it means to be masculine because it's, there's an element of choice to make the right choice when a situation arises, to choose whether to implement the feminine or the masculine. So... Definitely wisdom for me is a big part of masculinity. How about Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I just want to mention that everyone listening right now, anything that you're going through is valid. It's valid for you based on the situation you're in, everything that you might go through right now. It is truly valid because you're living that moment and nobody understands what you're going through except you because um, God created us 
maybe we look the same as beings, but at the end of the day, he gave every one of us some sort of strength, you know, to be able to, um, to deal with a certain, a certain situation. But he also mentioned, whatever I gave you, yeah. you could overcome, you know. And that's when you kind of maybe be in that situation and nobody understands you or you have all these people coming in and telling you, you know what, um, you're, you're being um, childish or you're being lazy or they kind of try to emphasize or um, just label you in some sort of way. And that makes you feel um, not um, in the right state of mind because to you at that point, that, that is what you're living. But when reality hits you, like every external um, factor coming in is making you doubt the reality that you're, that you're living mm. and that might lead to traumas, yeah. you know? And that's why I'm trying to tell each and everyone listening, whatever you're going through is valid. Seek the right help from the right people. Accepting help from the right mentors is really important. And if you tried someone and he might or she might not be right for you, don't lose hope and try to find someone that might understand you or some might be able to hold your hand in the right way to help you through what you're going through. Because as Fahad said, there's millions of people out there. It's just trying to find the right people. And with the right dua, God will make you find that person that you're looking for. And that's when the right healing happens. Amen to that. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here and being a part of the Gentleman Club. Thank you. Um, us together, yeah. Most welcome. To be honest, um, based on the conversation we had right now, this is something just to encourage men to be their authentic self, be in touch with their feminine, be vulnerable, be brave enough. Um, don't doubt yourself. If you, see, if you need help, by all means, try to understand that there are the right people out there to help you. You're not alone. And if by any chance you're thinking of any suicidal um, thoughts, please seek help and know that there are the right uh, means to help, um, to get help. And we will share all the content and numbers that would, would be there for you guys to, um, to reach out and get the help you, you need. And thank you once again for being here. And thank you for bringing the gentle back in men. Thank you. Thank Hannah. you for having Thanks, us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure.